Modern Black Man Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Modern Black Men Podcast. We have a great guest today. I'm so excited. Uh, she took some time out of her day um, to spend with us, so we're going to try to make it count. Um, I have a um, highly decorated and experienced uh, sex therapist, uh, Miss Kane Joyland. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, let me correct you. I'm not a therapist. I'm actually uh, a sexologist and certified sex coach so what does that uh mean what um what do you do with those credentials yeah yes that that is like a very very common question of people wondering what is the difference between a therapist and a sex coach so a a sex coach pretty much they do assessment or we do assessment we don't diagnose we don't pathologize meaning that we don't medicalize um what people want to experience, for example. So um, as long as it's between consensual adults and that's a goal that they want sexually, we'll help them move in that direction. It's more so a partnership type relationship. And in addition to that, a sex coach has, their boundaries are much more flexible than that of a therapist. So for example, me as a sex coach, if I'm working with say an individual couple, I might go to a sex toy store with you if we were looking at getting some type of product for you where a therapist wouldn't do something like that. It's not quite that interactive. <laughs> yeah, so you're kind of like a hybrid. You're kind of like a life coach um for someone's sexual life, yeah? Yeah, I think I think that would be a pretty good comparison, yes, because it is a, it's more so a collaboration. It's not a hierarchical, hierarchical relationship. It's more so where we work together. I look at what your goals or what the client's goals are, and then we make an action plan from there. Like I said, it's not medicalized or packaged at all. Awesome. Um, wow, I have like so many questions and <laughs> so many thoughts that come to mind. Um, I know one of the first things uh, that I wanted to kind of get started with was just how did you find yourself in this field? How did you identify this as your calling? Did you have an aha moment? I actually have studied sexuality, I want to say, um, since I was about 14 or 15. I was that very curious child where I would find books around the house and read the books. So initially it started off as just some hobby. And then I was that friend who, you know, people would confide in a lot. And I wanted to work for the Kinsey Institute as a sexual researcher, but I got married and got pregnant as a teenager, so those plans changed quite a bit. And so after a while, I ended up starting a um, adult novelty company, and I ran that for some years. And what I found was, was that people when we would go back into the order room, people had so many questions and they would wait to get me along because they wanted somebody to talk to that wouldn't judge them for whatever their concerns, whatever questions they have. You know, we're supposed to know about sex but not know about sex. So there was a lot of questions and so I got that moment like, why is it, how come there's no place for us to go without feeling judged? Where do one go if they want to learn? Um, sexual techniques or about just sexuality in general, about their relationship in sexuality. Where where would someone turn? And so that's kind of where it started at. And so um, I ended up stopped doing adult novelties and then I more so focused on really learning about the field of sexology. And so that's how I ended up here now. Uh, it's definitely a calling. It's, it's definitely my passion. It's definitely, you know, I want people to have someplace safe to talk to someone, you know, and again, not feel judged or not have the stigma or don't feel guilty or anything like that, having these type of conversations. So that's how I got into it. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> like, I, you know, just hearing you, I feel more comfortable, like, really bringing personal questions that I have. And like I said, I wrote down a few uh, questions uh, over this last week and a half um, that I think a lot of people could kind of relate to. Uh, before I kind of jump into those questions, I wanted to share a quote um, because I think that a, a lot of us, we we try to separate our, our sex lives 
in our intimate lives or maybe we kind of create a dichotomy do you think that people go into their physical relationships um with this barrier in mind where they kind of try to keep the keep it compartmentalized you know kind of keep it away from the rest of their life i think some do um but i think that people don't realize that a lot of our sexuality it does cross over the way we handle sexuality the way we communicate about sexuality if we um don't communicate effectively or we don't talk to our partners we do the same thing in our sex life Mm. you know yeah we absolutely do so they do they run parallel a little bit but a lot of times people don't recognize that but there are individuals who will try to keep you know some some feel that intimacy and sexuality is the same thing some people look at sexuality as just an act or a form of, of pleasure relief and they don't want necessarily intimacy, a, a level of closeness. It just really depends on the people involved and what the purpose of their sexual activity. I'm definitely going to ask for your help on uh, gaining more intimacy in my relationship. But I want to share this um, quote. People think that intimacy is about sex, but intimacy is about truth. When you realize you can tell someone your truth, when you can show yourself to them, when you stand in front of them and their response is you're safe with me. That's intimacy. I love it. That's awesome. Um, and I, that's kind of what I have approached um, in my relationships as, as intimacy and being aware that um, it, it's all a part of the human condition. Uh, kind of like what I was saying. I, I'm in a relationship and my girlfriend's biggest gripe is about intimacy she feels that we do not have an intimate connection because it is so physical. Um, she She's expressed this to me time and time again. And I don't know if she's just trying to convince me that I need to find another partner or what's going on with that. But what would your well, advice the be? The first thing is, is mm-hmm. that did you ask her what her definition of intimacy is? What, what exactly does she need? What does intimacy look like for her to give you examples to say, can you show me or just give me an example of what that looks like for you? Because intimacy means different things to different people. And you may think you understand what she means, but until you ask her specifically and ask her to give you an example and you mirror that back at her, you're not really going to know. Well, okay. I think I listened well enough because I didn't like her response uh, to a certain extent. She says that intimacy is the is is kissing and 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 holding and the gazes, but not being sexually aggressive. Um, I know that I am a pretty aggressive guy um, when it comes to getting physical, and I can see that my partner is for lack of a better term, I think she's confused by it. And this isn't the first time that this has happened to me. Um, I'll definitely give a little bit more background, but she is, she's taken aback. Um, Well, let me ask you this. mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. When you say intimacy and what she says that she is looking for, does that intimacy always entail sex? No. Not at all. It's communication is what she really wants. That's why I don't like her definition because it goes outside of the bedroom, but it sure, crosses sure. It, it crosses into as well. Okay. Um, to so, give you the background, uh, she... Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of dyspareunia? Dyspareunia, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something that I came across when I was younger and when I first started, you know, having relations. Um, I'm from a small town. So I went to the doctor with my girlfriend at the time and they kept talking about this stuff. I thought it was like a real major condition or a problem. Like I was scared. I didn't know if I was going to have to get a shot. Um, but, but then I found out that it's simply, um, being too large for you know for your partner a lot of times and the pain that can come along with that and is right well when you say just 
Tanzania, are you talking about painful sex as a result of, because typically that's associated with the vaginal and a pelvic pain disorder type thing or vulva pain issue. So you're talking about she experiences. Most, most partners sex? that I get with it's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag, right? But I've, I've gone to doctors and this is what they tell me is that I have to have lubricated sex. I have to, Absolutely. right? And I, I, with this new relationship I'm in, um, that's kind of how we got started. She was, you know, she's like, well, I don't, I don't, I've never used the lubricant before and I don't need this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And then after a little bit of experience, she, she likes to say, oh, well, I understand now. Um, you know, and, and, and I've just experienced that and I've had that pattern, um, have you ever had anyone like that? Um, I mean, well, I think the question is because now that I'm listening to you in the way that she's defining intimacy, it also sounds like foreplay. Okay. So, are you sure that um, she has reached a level of arousal? I mean, has vaginal attention occurred? Are you familiar with that? Vaguely, um, I mean, she's she's <laughs> I would consider ready or prepared, but um, you said vaginal tensing. Yes, okay, so one thing you want to keep in mind when we're talking about connecting with our partners, um, lubrication is not an indicator of arousal. Okay. So just because her vagina is wet doesn't mean that she's ready. So um, a lot of times people with vulvas, they take time, we take time to get aroused. And it's wonderful if you would start the foreplay before you get into the bedroom, but, um, but... when it comes to that, what happens is is that as um, a person with a vagina gets aroused, the uterus lifts up and allows space for the penis to enter. So sometimes what will happen, and especially someone such as yourself who's well endowed, you have to ensure that your partner is extremely, extremely aroused because that helps us open up more and then allows okay. her to accept more of you. And then you also may want to get into positions where she is more so in, in control. Now, I know you said that you kind of like it rough and things like that, but if you have a history of um, having your partner's experience pain during intercourse, you're not being effective. Well, yeah, that's exactly I mean, I like this girl a lot. I really want our relationship to make it, but I, I'm falling short with a few things and being patient is one of them. I know that she's um, doing everything she can, but when she tells me that, you know, it's it's painful, it's too much, she can't, it just makes me not want to find another partner, but it just, I just shut down at this point. Like, I just, I'm just, I don't know what's, what's going on with me uh, fully, uh, psychologically or otherwise, but I just don't have the Patience. I don't have the patience that she deserves. Like, I'm really trying to make it work, but she's just not giving me that piece of it. And I'm I'm wanting the physical piece really badly um, because I'm very attracted to her. And I just feel like, not that she's taking advantage, but I feel like I am giving her the benefits outside of the physical being met of my physical needs being met. If that even makes sense. Like I'm very patient. I'm very kind. I'm diligent. I'm, I'm worrying about everything else kind of as a distraction while she figures out if she a wants me and B can handle me. Well, it sounds like I I hear what you, what you just said, but Mm -hmm. earlier, you know, you did say that she expressed that she wanted more quote unquote intimacy from you. Yes. Which suggests that maybe you think that you're giving that or and you're attempting to give that. Right. But maybe that's not being received as such. Absolutely. I think you're right. Maybe yeah, maybe she needs a little bit more. And um, when, it, when it comes to intimacy, it's a, it's a joint thing. When it comes to sexual expression, when you have sex, when you think about having sex, like what is the point of you having sex? Typically you know, when people have sex. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you that question. What's your point of having sex? I, I want to release these days. Um, I know that sometimes sex can be... Um, ego it it can you know being able to please someone else can be a huge boost to the ego um and i think i've moved on from that really quickly in this relationship 
Like, at first, it was like, you know, I, I can't wait to see how much I can turn this girl on. And I think I did that. And then I got a little pleasure. And now I think I'm off to the races chasing that dragon. <laughs> I, I really you're do. Chasing, you're chasing the dragon of, of pleasure. Pleasure. Additional, so you didn't get pleasure initially? Is that what you're saying? No, well, the first time, actually, the first time it was okay. I'm used to not having an orgasm um, when I make love, and that's what really got me locked into this young lady because it happened. Um, it took it took a little bit of trying, but it did happen, and it's happened a couple and a few times, and that's very very rare for me. So I'm just really. I feel connected to her. Um, but at the same time, she's not really feeling the same way because she feels like I'm just, you know, devastating her. I'm just really physically overwhelming her. And that's kind of the imbalance of our relationship. And I'm trying to get it right because I want there to be longevity. I see a lot of really good qualities in her. Um, but I am scared because I know I've seen this. I've seen this movie before. I was going to say that's that I think that's what's important is that you've seen it. So when you say that you don't orgasm, do mm-hmm. you mean orgasm or do you mean ejaculate? Exactly. They're two different things. Exactly. I've done tantra okay. before. So I think that's part of what ruined me um, was just getting the mental part of it and preparing to not uh, ejaculate and being able to vacillate that way. But now I'm going after it. I am trying to ejaculate when I make love. You want to ejaculate, yes. and you're unable to ejaculate. Most times, seven with her, I'm probably about sixty to seven, sixty to seventy percent of the time, I do not. Sixty percent of the time, I do not experience an orgasm. Right. I no. Do, not do really. you? Do you? Either. I'm sorry. I can't. Is it? Is it that you? Are you orgasming and not ejaculating, or are you doing neither? About 60% of the time, I do nothing. And about 30% of the time, I ejaculate. Maybe 10% of the time, I have an orgasm. Is that too much math? Can you hear me okay? I can I can hear you now. I'm sorry, I lost, you, lost our connection for a second. No problem. I, I, I broke it down and said about 60% of the time, nothing happens. About 30% of the time, I ejaculate. And about 10% of the time, I probably have an orgasm. Okay. Do you feel like that you want to have an orgasm, but you can't release it? Yes. 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 Okay. And that's something that we um, refer to as delayed ejaculation. Mm-hmm. And and that's oftentimes associated with, it could be... Uh, uh, medical condition, it could be intimacy issue. Sometimes when people have challenges uh, with their partner or they distress partners, um, they have challenges experiencing ejaculation. And so with that, there's a number of things that have to be looked at. It has to be looked at from a medical intervention. If there's something that's going on, we always look at it. Is there a medical challenge first? Okay. And then if there isn't a medical challenge, we start looking at the psychological challenges that may be there. And it could be, you know, maybe you don't feel quite safe with your partner. Um, it's, it needs to be a certain type of safe space. It could be a right. number of things that have to, you kind of have to dig into and see what's going on. Does the person feel emotionally secure? Things like that. Actually, this is one of the most difficult things to treat when it comes to sex coaching is delayed ejaculation. And a lot of times we will refer out um, for therapy to figure out if there is some type of trust issue, is there a deep-seated challenge, what's exactly going on with the delayed ejaculation? Why is it that you're unable to relax and relieve? And I I have it bad. Uh, It's a relaxed thing. I've actually gone to psychotherapy before um, and it's that that's what I've been told is that it's the relaxing and just getting that right so I can mentally get there. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. 
It's yeah, fun. but then in addition to the delayed ejaculation, too, there's also some exploring that needs to be done with your delivery of intimacy and really sitting down to see what exactly does she need, what exactly do you need, and how can we meet in the middle? Right. Absolutely. And I mean, the the meeting of the minds is that as simple as writing down our wants and our needs. I mean, we, our communication is, I, I, it's better than I want it to be. If that even makes sense. Like she's open (laughs) to communicating. She loves to communicate. And like I said, her major uh, obstacle with me is that I don't like uh, communicating as much. Um, I just don't like expressing myself when it comes to me personally. I don't know if that's because of my career path, um, I actually am a, uh, a counselor. So as a therapist for other people, um, I know that I am not the healthiest person in my communication, in my interpersonal relationships. Um, but yeah, um, I definitely love that how, how communicative she is. And I just want to get on the same level as her. I want to be able to, to really do a little bit better than that because I know I am a handful for so many reasons. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it sounds like you're, you're definitely going to have to work, and that's going to take time. You're going to have to really work with someone to figure out what is going on with why you don't like to communicate. Then you also need someone to help you communicate. How do you articulate yourself in such a way that you still feel safe, but you're also meeting the needs of the relationship itself? Because, you know, there's three people going on here. There's, there's you, there's her, and there's the relationship. Right. So, and then you also want to look at, um, we kind of look at things like negotiation skills deficit. Um, If you're not comfortable talking about sex with your partner or really looking at what is going on, it becomes a barrier to satisfying sex. So that communication is so very important to make it so you guys have a a pleasure-filled sex life because there's something going on there with your delayed ejaculation and there's absolutely something going on there with her feeling like it's too much going on here. Right. And then you also mentioned earlier about ego and satisfying your partner, but it doesn't sound like in reality that you truly are satisfying your partner. You may have some... I was at one point. The first, okay. the first few interactions, it was that, and then as we got to know each other and we started making these expectations, that kind of, um, the, what is it? The surprise went out of the out of the window because we knew, I I think that we both found a partner who was capable, and it, does that make that I mean is that fair? Because I know at first I could you know I could do no wrong physically. But then it turned into this whole intimacy thing. And and I know I definitely uh, evolved on the physical things that I wanted as well. Because she could do no wrong until I fell back into my mode of once. <laughs> All relationships. We're talking about in a sexual capacity. But mm-hmm. every relationship, when you first start, you can do no wrong. Right. Even their, their, their little idiosyncrasies, the things that look so cute to you. They, they, it doesn't bother you at all. Right. But when you get six months or so in, 18 months in, that's when it, cha- it changes. When we first date people, we're, we're, be- we're being flooded with feel-good hormones, oxytocin, dopamine. Mm-hmm. It's almost like being high. It is. It's like literally you're high yeah. off of the lust and the feeling and this, 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 all this feel-good that's going on when you're with a new partner. Right. But it's been scientific studies that prove that that's only going to last about six, 6 to 18 months. And then that's when you really have to put in the effort to keep the relationship hot, to keep the relationship um, rewarding for the both of you. You know, that's when you get into the real in-love stage. Because in the beginning, you're not really in love. You're in love. <laughs> so, right. You know, so it does take some effort, and that's completely normal with any any relationship that you're going to get in. So even if you're not with her, it's going to show up with a different name and a different face. You're going to be right back here again. Exactly. And, 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 and that's kind of the conversation that um, I think that 
we've both had is that we have been able to rationalize this. And I think we both have identified ourselves as good potential mates. Um, but if we don't make it work with each other, it's just going to be all this work for not and then having to redo it with someone else. It just sounds like you really should probably consider working with a sex coach or a sex therapist or someone of that nature because they can mediate this. They can they can sit down and really see what the goals, identify what the goals, look at what you've done so far, and then put an action plan together for you guys to meet the goals and objectives that you want in the relationship. Okay, that's It really sounds good. like it can be definitely, you know, worked on because it's something that you both want. And if you're both willing, that that's where that that's the beginning. I I I'm definitely gonna do something with that information, uh, that gym that you uh, dropped on me. Um, <laughs> I was gonna add one of the questions that I had written was, is there a right amount of time to wait to be physical with someone, a new partner? <laughs> well, I don't think so. Okay. You know, sometimes society puts these restrictions restrictions on us. Sometimes they'll say, you know, good girls don't do this. You should wait to marriage. You should wait, you know, two weeks, 90 days or whatever like that. I don't really have that time frame. I think it depends on the individual. Sometimes you meet people and the chemistry is amazing. Right. Amazing. And, it, and there's a connection. Like, I'll give you an example with me, my husband. I literally had sex with him quicker than I've ever had sex with anybody in my life. And next month, March 6th, we'll be at 30 years of marriage. Wow. That's amazing. Like, uh, <laughs> that's that's what I'm going after, uh, to be able to say that I've spent decades with someone and I've seen them in various seasons of their lives and we're still moving forward. Like, uh, that's absolutely my dream. So you said that it's, the chemistry was ID'd pretty quickly. It didn't take you, um, I know most millennials, that they have a two-year or a, a, a one-year waiting period before they can tell their partner uh, that they love them or, you know, try to put that label on or, you know, silly stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I think that's very silly. I don't think that is. we should be dictated by social norms. I don't think that society should tell us what we feel and what we should do and what's right and what's wrong. I think that within our relationship, we know we know what's right for us and what's not right for us. And like I said, it was very, you know, I grew up in a way that was, you know, good girls don't do that. You know, you, you I didn't have sexual conversations. I had one conversation with my father about sex. When I was about 14, but that was, it was not an open dialogue. So I can remember feeling the shame and guilt when I had sex with my husband, even though I knew him, I knew him from school, but I wasn't in a relationship. And I questioned like, oh my God, what is he going to think of me? Is he going to, is he think I'm uh, lose? Is he, I started all of these things that was running through my mind all of those years ago, but here we are almost three decades later. Because you trusted your instincts. I trusted my instincts. I felt, I felt very connected, very very connected with him, and still to the, still do to this day. So, how long do you think um, is this, if at all, is a successful time to to wait before you create a label for your relationship? Do you think that's just as silly as the uh, right? time argument you know waiting no i don't believe that there's any there's there's not i can't say okay in six months then you can say we're a couple in two months we're a couple that's all a highly individualized approach that depends on the people that's involved and they decide when it's time okay you know there is no standard number right so do you do toys desensitize women? Is that a real thing? <laughs> um, no, not technically. So okay. if you if you that's more so on the myth side. So let's say, for example, if you're using a very high powered toy, toy. Now, certainly, your partner cannot um, replicate that level of power. 
Right. So it could get to the point where you get used to that type of sensation. Say if you're using that to experience an orgasm, you have now trained your body to that level of sensation. So when your partner comes along who cannot meet that same level, you may have challenges experiencing orgasm from them. But the only thing you need to do is take a break from that toy. So if you take a break from that toy for about three weeks, flex your vaginal muscles and work those out it'll it's kind of like a reset so to speak but no it won't totally desensitize you but you can get used to certain sensation now i know it's uh, 21 days to create a new habit um just <laughs> just take it away from it for a month and it's as good as new oh yeah oh yeah and you we our bodies can be trained it's sort of like you know, even with your delayed ejaculation, like I would get into what's your masturbation practices, what's it, you know, kind of things like that. I have not like masturbated since I've been in a relationship with this girl, and I, I, I know that like pornography and things like that can 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 lead to delays. But I mean, it, it it's the craziest thing. I don't know what to do because I'm at the point now where I feel like I'm, like I I I almost. <laughs> Not that I don't want to be in a relationship so I could do the self care thing, but it just seems like it's so much work um, waiting on your partner to be that uh, outlet for you. Am I am I not doing right by myself by forcing this responsibility on my partner and not um, maybe mitigating it through myself? I I think that that is a lot to ask for somebody to expect the release to only come from your partner okay. when you can you can also release yourself right. and what about i mean have you guys maybe thought about mutual masturbation no i've never thought uh, about uh, that uh, one i'm sorry what was that no i've never thought about that one because i mean i i've tried um you know, well, well, why don't you you know to to show her how right and to let her do it and i mean it's just and it, she doesn't like to be um Manually stimulated, nor does she really like um, oral. She tells me that it feels great, but she just rather have uh, penetrative sex. So I mean, that's been the majority of our physical interaction is just um, the penetration. But there's there's so many things that we're obviously doing wrong. Um, Like I know that she's uncomfortable in a lot of positions. She tells me that it. You know, it's just it's it's too much. Like it, it hurts. It's painful, and I'm I'm not creative as I would like to be in handling this, and it just has me feeling bad all over. It makes me feel like I'm just too young for her, even though we're the same age, um, or she's a little bit older than me, just by a couple of years. But it makes me feel like I have too much energy um, because I can tell that she likes to really have that slow down love making and it almost bores me I don't know how we're going to get to that happy medium but I'm trying you can though this right here is and this is goes back to what I talked about in terms of you guys need assistance with guidance with that so you know you both can have what you want you both can have your wants needs and desires met it's just a matter of and then also maybe you can do it a little faster sometime maybe you can do it in a lovemaking style another time. Maybe there's other aspects that can be added to the slow lovemaking that makes it sort of, it won't bore you. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of exploration that needs to be going on with you guys. And it, it, it really has to, uh, one would have to really do an assessment and dig deep to see exactly what's going on. And then, like I said, go into an action plan because there's a number of things going on here. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, all kinds of classical stuff comes up anytime I think about uh, um, a sex coach. I know that most of us, um, or a lot of us, I should say, um, try to emulate what we see in adult movies. And I know, Lord. right? And I know as a guy, just the conversation is had with my female friends, with other guys. You know, nobody wants to be that guy. But why do so many men try to emulate what they um, see in movies? Because I, I, I'm not saying that, I, that I'm immune from this, but I do understand that um, 
there's a a a, a bright line uh, between fantasy and reality, and sometimes it can be hard to to stay on one side of this line. Why is that? Well, because that's the only imagery that they see. They have no other, nothing else to compare it to. That's what, unfortunately, porn is used as sex education a lot of times. Right. Porn is used, yeah, and that's what the problem is. You look at porn, and you, you don't see the male figure if it's a heterosexual couple. You don't really see the male touch the female's body. Mm. You know what I mean? If you think about it, when you look at porn, when, how often do you really see them touch them in any type of intimate form at all? So HBO, is, Cinemax. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is, is that if you have no point of reference whatsoever, and you're now utilizing porn like this month, what it, this, this, I think this is what it looks like. Even in movies, mainstream movies, a lot of women, they'll look and they think you're supposed to make love and you're just going to burst into orgasm all over the place. It's these fantasy images that are in place. And because we lack these types of open conversations, because we don't have comprehensive real sex education and really teaching people what is involved with sexual expression, that's what they turn to and that's what they look for. Like, I'll give an example where it relates to anal sex, for example. I'll get questions about anal sex from men and women like you know they do it and it looks like it's so easy it just slips right in they're opened up it doesn't show a bit of arousal it doesn't show that they've been wearing a butt plug for four hours to open up to to relax their sphincter muscles and the anus it doesn't show the gallon size lube that's on the floor you know it doesn't and then i'll get the question why is it so clean it doesn't show the enema that took place before i mean you know it, it, it gives this quick snapshot it's a movie Right. It's not reality. I actually you know, wrote some anal sex questions. Only. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, is anal sex pleasurable to women? Was the question that uh, I had written down. For some. Mm-hmm. For some, it depends. It depends. And when it comes to anal sex, I mean, there's a lot of prep that goes into anal sex. A lot of times... You know, there's warm-up, and when people want to engage, like when people ask me, like, how do I start anal sex? One of the misconceptions is is that if we decide today that we're going to engage in anal sex, that there's going to be a penis inside of the anus, and that may not be the case. It may be simply just massaging on the outside of it. It may just be putting a a finger inside of it to get the the, um, anus juice to contain it. You know, it doesn't have to, it's like a gradual approach, but see, porn doesn't show that. Right. You know, but women can, some women can orgasm from anal sex. It really just depends on the person. It, and you have to be, the woman has to be very aroused, or the man has to be very aroused. You know. But yes. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say some find it extremely pleasurable. And then there's other times where women have had bad experiences and they're like, I never want to do it again because the person has gone too slow. They wasn't relaxed enough. It, you know, it's a number of, they didn't have enough lube because the anus isn't self-lubricating. So there's a number of factors that may have contributed to it being painful. And now it has conditioned them to, no, I don't want to do it because it hurts. And that is because it wasn't done properly. Got it. Um, let's see here. I just wrote this one down for me because this is something that um a lot of my guy friends and I have talked about and um I'm sure you've experienced this before. Um when your partner tries to kiss you after they've given you oral sex, is there etiquette? Is there a rule? Is there a procedure? Do I have do you have to kiss your partner? have to. I believe that whoever is in the relationship and what they feel comfortable with, that's what they do. But I'm going to tell you like this. If you won't, why would I suck it if you you're not want it? If you don't want to put your mouth, you don't want to kiss me, why would I want to put my mouth on it? Exactly. And I mean, at this point, it's um, kind of confirmation or advertising to get it done again. So, um, yeah, you have to, I think is, is how I'm going to have to answer, perceive that one. Um, you're right. Um, let's see here. 
Are there positions that you would recommend for someone with a larger and or smaller member or like bigger or larger people? When you're well endowed, your partner, I think, needs to, lead to have the lead. Okay. Because they need to be able to guide the depth of thrust. You you want to get into positions that where it's more where the vaginal canal is more open. You know where the legs are wider. So that's her on top. I'm sorry. I said, is that like her on top? Where it, would that yeah, be? It could be on. Yes. It could be her on top because she can determine how much of it she wants inside of her. Right. You know, if she's on top. Even in certain missionary positions, maybe the leg's not back as far. You know, bring the legs forward so your thrust isn't as deep inside of her. You know, when you are well endowed, the other person has to control it because it can be. I mean, it could be a situation where you're hitting her cervix, and some people find that totally uncomfortable. That hurts me Many too. Many women funny. Does it really? Yeah, the so it's okay. it, <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it's it would be well, mutual pain, right? Well, not necessarily. Like me, I like my cervix hit, mm-hmm. where other women don't like their cervix fit. It right. is so individualized. When we talk about sexuality, there's no one rule. It's no what that is such a myth, and we really need to work on our re- refraining and understand that the rules of our sexual expression is involved is only involved with the people that involved in the act itself. That that's who makes the rules. I like that. You know. <laughs> That, those are pretty much the major questions that I had. I just um, wanted to kind of get uh, a professional. The only question I think I really have left is about female ejaculation. Um, again, uh, the, there's so many myths. I don't know if it's true or not. Um, but every every guy who's ever had that story of, well, she she did this or she did that. There's always that friend who's a naysayer. Who wants to point out that the female ejaculation is P. Um, is this true or is it or is there just a minor component of it where it might be some urine in there? It may be. Uh, it's absolutely not urine. Okay. Definitely not. It comes by way of the skin's gland and um, what happens is because it is released through the urethra mm-hmm. and that's where, where we urinate from so it may have traces of urine but if you smell it and if you taste it it's, it's not the same mm, okay so it's it, totally not the same it can smell like urine but it's not it's not most often it won't smell like urine when you smell it okay it's not gonna smell like urine I've been having this and argument with my roommate it. from college since school um, that it's not urine. Definitely I don't believe. Not. I don't believe that it is, but he's convinced no, that it is. No, it's definitely not urine. Okay. And when you're talking to people who squirt, mm-hmm. you know, and gush, they would absolutely tell you it's not urine. It's totally different. And sometimes what I would recommend for people now, it feels like you have to urinate when the woman gets ready to ejaculate. It feels like you have to excuses to get out of it is that she says I feel like I gotta pee you're gonna make me pee I've gotta get up I've gotta go and it's a bunch of trips to the bathroom but she complains about not having an orgasm this would be the time to lay the towel down yes lay the towel down and then what she wants to do is empty her bladder before she starts the love making process and um, what happens is is that our body we're trained you know, when we were growing up and we were potty trained, we were trained to hold it if we, we get that sensation of having to urinate so that we can make it to the bathroom. And it's that exact same sensation when you're about to ejaculate. And so what I tell people is that's what soap and water is for, just relaxing. 
women ejaculate. A lot of times women don't start ejaculating until after 30. Right. You know, but it's one of those times where you have to feel safe enough to release and just relax and let go. And if she urinates on you, go take a shower. Exactly. <laughs> That's what soap and water is for. So, so what about... Um sex during um a woman's menstrual cycle is that um is that beneficial is that taboo is that off limits is that dangerous is that something that we need to be staying away from again we go right back to an individual preference some people feel like no i absolutely i'm not gonna earn my red wounds they call it I had a girl but, try to make me do that to her, and that was out of my boundaries, uh, my sexual boundaries. Um, but <laughs> but I respect anyone that wants to earn their red wings. Um, and just like I asked about the uh, sex on the cycle, I've heard from some sources that it is a good thing. It helps women relax. It eases their cramps. Um, I was going to say yeah. cramps. It helps mm-hmm. with the cramps. A lot of people may like it because it's, I was going with the, the part. Initially, I was going to start with why people don't, then I was going to go into why people do. But people do like it because they feel like it's really, it's very lubricated. Mm-hmm. It's very warm. You know, it helps relieve cramps. Things of that nature, they enjoy it. It helps with the headaches that we experience when we're having our cycle. So some mm-hmm. people love it and find it a sacred um, exchange or expression where there's other people that feel like absolutely not I don't feel well that's when my body is cleansing and shedding and and, you know I don't want anybody touching me you know no you know so again that goes back to a personal preference what it is what boundaries do you have within your relationship does the person who is menstruating do they feel comfortable with you doing it some I know that some women, they don't feel comfortable the first day, but they'll feel comfortable the third day. No, I've had experience where I don't know the exact uh, chemistry of the hormones, but you can tell when your girlfriend is is getting there because they do usually get very into... Yes. (laughs) I mean, right Mm -hmm. about like right before or even right during. Uh, And as a selfish man, I try to capitalize. Um, I know that I'll I'll do everything I can to just get my timing right to, you know, have that closeness to where I can be in, at a point of advantage, whether it's, oh, no, don't worry, baby, like, I'm going to make you a cake. Like, I'll have your favorite desserts ready, the ice cream, the cookies, you know, all those different things that you do just to keep her comfortable. Um, but every woman's different. Like I said, the woman I'm with now, she doesn't want to be touched. I've never experienced that. She doesn't want to be sexualized only while she's on her period. Uh, the other 30, 28 days of the year, 20 something days of the year of the month. I mean, it's all good. But during the, during those days, it's pretty annoying. She does. She no, no sexualization is allowed. Um, but I think that that's fair for her if that's where, I mean, it, it, you have the other 28 days. If she doesn't feel attractive, she doesn't feel moment, sexy. If she feels that, I mean, she could have terrible crap. She sure. could have, I mean, it could be a number of things going on. Maybe she's not comfortable with the way she smells. Maybe she's not. There could be a number of reasons why she is just uncomfortable doing it. And that's a boundary that you as her partner needs to respect. Yeah. You know, because again, and just because she's, she's on her cycle too, there's other things that can happen. Maybe um, instead of engaging in intercourse, um, you could do other things. That's the problem. Like nothing. Have, no oral. Nothing. No nothing. <laughs> well, it's only a few days. You can't. Are you having challenges making it those few days? No. Um. It just. It. it I'm so used to, like I said, being able to take advantage. Um. Because usually when women <laughs> are the word advantage. <laughs> right. I'm. 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 I'm being funny. It's a little slightly tongue in cheek. But um. You know they they're usually a little bit more giving. They know that it's not going to lead to uh, business as usual. Um, so I just think it's so interesting um, that, you know, um, 
the the approach that she takes because I mean there's nothing there's no activity and I mean I just think that's so interesting how she approaches it because she doesn't want there to be um, those distractions during her special time. Yeah, and some people find it a sacred time for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on how she feels about it. You know, but we're all individual people, and we have the right to express ourselves however we feel is appropriate. Just because it may have been perfectly fine with your other three partners, as you can see, it's not okay here. Right. And I'm sure that maybe she's had partners that where there's been certain expressions that were okay with them, that's not okay with you. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's such a highly individualized thing. And that's where we go wrong is because we try to put our own beliefs or what someone else used to do on our current partner instead of really understanding and being patient and and getting their me getting our needs met, but also helping them get their needs met. Well, you definitely helped me get a good perspective. Um, there's some things that I can do to not only please myself, but be a better partner. So I appreciate you bringing those things to light. How could I get, um, or how could anyone else get connected to you? I mean, I know that you have um, social media, you have a, a website, um, you yeah. are one of the best resources that I can think of. Um, I mean, not just for helping me, but um, for those people that could benefit from your work, how can they get connected to you? Thank you so much. Yes, you can. The best way to reach me is through Instagram or my my website. My website is www.romanticdiscovery.com. You can set up individual coaching sessions directly through that website. Um, I do work with people all over because the sessions are done via Skype. So it doesn't matter where you are, we can do coaching sessions together. Um, I also do workshops. And then the other way to reach me is through Instagram. That's um, at sexcoachkane, and that's kane, C-A-I-N. So that's at sexcoachkane on Instagram. Definitely check her out if you're online. She has um, awesome resources, um, a good balance of just a, a straightforwardness and a familiarity um, with her professionalism that um, I have not encountered anyone else in the space. So I cannot thank you enough for taking the time and just speaking with us. Absolutely. I enjoyed myself. Thank you for inviting me. If you want to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm at Chubby Idris Elba. Check us out on Apple, iTunes, um, podcast, uh, Modern Black Man. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, everywhere that you um, are getting your podcast distributed. Check us out. Follow us. Rate us. Review us. Uh, we're only going to keep getting bigger and have uh, great guests like uh, like 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 uh, Sex Coach Kane joining us. So thank you again, ma'am. Uh, hopefully uh, we can have another episode sometime soon. Yes, yes. Let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a blessed rest of your night. And until next time, peace.